Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Psychedelic Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Walker of the Mycopreneur Podcast, and today we've got a truly dynamic and engaging individual on the podcast who allows his experience with ceremonial macro doses of psilocybin mushrooms to inform his career as a music industry professional an entrepreneur in the creative arts, which he's had a tremendous degree of success with. Everybody, please welcome Edward Crow. I'm big on preparation. Beforehand, I hold the mushrooms or the tea or whatever it is I'm ingesting. And I say, I enter this journey with love for the mushroom and respect for all creatures. Respect for all creatures and love for the mushroom. I have a different dialogue every trip, depending on what my intention is. But I want to let the mushroom know that I'm coming in this as a student, fully respectful. Mushrooms in the music industry, that is a truly unique vantage point. As always, thanks for joining us today, and please consider rating and reviewing this podcast episode wherever you're listening. Go ahead and send it to a friend, why don't you? It's truly an honor to host this podcast for you. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Okay, Pasa Mufasa, what's up? We've got Edward Crow, music industry professional and photographer at Macrodose Psychonaut in the house. He's calling us from Nashville, Tennessee today, the music capital of the U.S. for my money. So how are things out there in Nashville today, Edward? Man, it's a little chilly, but it's a beautiful day, man. Nashville, Tennessee, music city, capital of the world. Yeah, man, everything's good. I I was really thrilled when you reached out to me and just wanted to chop it up a little bit through our mutual friend, Willie Maiko. Shout out, Willie Maiko. Something that caught my attention is you mentioned about the macrodose experience with mushrooms and how your ceremonial approach to using mushrooms and to to accessing these altered states have informed a lot of your creative pursuits and your career. So let's start there. Uh, you know, how far back does your experience with macrodosing psilocybin mushrooms go and how did those early experiences start to shape this very creative and dynamic path that you're on today? working in the music industry and across the creative arts? It's a good question. Well, it all started when in high school, you know, people took different drugs or whatever. And and at some point I was given some mushrooms and we, you know, I hate to say this, but we had a bunch of them, right? We had a bunch of mushrooms and didn't, nobody wanted them. You know what I mean? So I started eating them. And after uh, one time, I think we took like, we took like an ounce between two people, right? And I went to, I went to the restroom, got sick, you know, purged or whatever. At this point in time, I'm just using them recreationally, no spiritual aspect, no ceremonial value, anything like that. And I remember I was washing my hands and I turned around to, to leave the room and I saw what looked like a translucent hole in reality opening up. And it, it appeared to be like a, um, an Indian goddess dancing and her dance was so rhythmically perfect it was like pistons in an engine and i remember thinking this is incredible and i I wanted to go inside there and the minute i had that thought she let me know if you come in here you die there now whether that was just something a figment of my imagination or whatever that was my first quote-unquote spiritual experience with mushrooms and that's what led me to believe that there was more to this than just getting stoned or you know just just taking them for the fun of it. So after that, I'd done them a couple more times. A couple years went by. A friend of mine gave me some more. I dabbled in mycology, very, very amateur mycology. But I started to get into it where, you know, I was meditating with the mycelium and experimenting with intention and trying to put intention into this mycelium before these mushrooms would grow. And I just, I just got, uh, fell in love with it, man. And, and then, got intrigued by the idea of what would happen by these high doses. I mean, I've had a lot of, everybody's got some incredible trip stories. One thing that happened to me, you're in Mexico City, so you'll be familiar with this, but Teotihuacan, obviously you're familiar with that complex, right? Aztec pyramids and Temple of the Feathered Serpent. So one time I was purging, and and this is ridiculous, but the toilet turned into this, this creature. And I'd never seen it before. I really didn't think nothing of it, but so you know how a lot of times you may see what appears to be Mayan inscriptions in your hallucinations or visions. So I saw this thing and didn't really think anything of it. It's what the toilet literally turned into in my hallucination. I go to visit Teotihuacan, making no connection whatsoever, and I see what the toilet turned into carved into the temple of the feathered serpent. 
and it blew my mind because I've never seen that before. Yeah, you know, some of the motifs that come up for me or that certainly have come up, especially in the macrodose realms, it's almost hard to put a, a finger on exactly how to describe it. But very often I would say there were Egyptian overtones. I was seeing what I considered to be Egyptian hieroglyphics, even though I'm not an Egyptologist by any stretch, there's something very intuitive about that where you look at it and especially, you know, at some of these higher doses, a lot of hieroglyphics, as you mentioned, can become apparent, or at least they have in my experiences. And I went over to Egypt earlier this year and was walking through Luxor and Karnak and some of these different temples. And it really took me back to some of my earlier experiences. One in particular, uh, probably the first out-of-body experience I had with a psychedelic was on about 14 grams of mushrooms when I was 18 years old. And I had been ramping up to that, right? I started with a low dose. I started with a half eighth, felt very comfortable. That was much more a recreational experience. But I also recognized that there was something very cathartic, something very meaningful. I, right away, I recognized that there was more to this. So I started researching more. Reading on Arrowhead was very popular at the time. You know, t talking to more people. I read some National Geographic trip reports from a writer named Kira Salek talking about her ayahuasca use. So I kind of ramped it up. And about six months later, I tried an eighth. Felt very comfortable with an eighth. At that point, I got my hands on food of the gods, right? And you're talking about 2006, 2007, in San Diego, California. So I didn't really have like this lineage of elders around me who I could turn to for guidance, right? I didn't have family members or even people I knew of in my community that were openly talking about this stuff. So I had to go on the internet. I had to go to Arrowhead. And of course, you come across Terrence McKenna eventually in your research, as many people do. And, you know, this idea of the higher dose where he's, he's proselytizing about his experiences at five grams and above. Well, I didn't have a scale. So I bought, I said, I want to do, a, I didn't, I want to do a macro dose, but I honestly have no idea how much five grams is. So I bought two eighths because I go, well, okay, seven grams, at least that's, you know, three grams. I did 3.5 a few times, felt comfortable. I didn't really get the sort of, you know, super mind bending experience. It was just very much like, wow, this, you know, get a body high, saw some, some higher, you know, patterns, things like that. But it was at the seven gram range when I first broke through to these dimensions that were kind of talking a little bit about here. And, you know, over time, I eventually got up to 14 grams. I don't necessarily recommend that for everyone, but if that's something people are interested in, I say that you ramp up to it, right? You don't just jump straight into it necessarily. You see how you respond to a half eighth, how you respond to an eighth, et cetera, et cetera. And that first out of body experience, you know, to bring it back to visiting these temples in Luxor and Karnak, it was very familiar from that out-of-body experience I had. So, you know, I don't claim to fully understand what this means, but I think it's so interesting that you read about these cultures like the Mayan cultures, the Olmec, Nahuatl, etc. Egypt, why are these macrodose experiences so heavily consisting of themes that, you know, you can easily describe as being like that was a, an Egyptian motif. So something I wanted to share. So you have these these macrodose experiences, nine grams plus, as you, you mentioned earlier. And is that kind of where you like to stick at your baseline? Do you have a specific dosage? Yeah, the, the baseline and, you know, to to the unfamiliar, this may seem seem strange. I'm sure you'll be familiar with this, but I think there's a value in the purge. And I don't purge usually with less than nine grams. Nine grams is what will make me get sick. And I've had it to where, you know, getting sick to someone who isn't familiar with these high doses, it sounds gross. But, I mean, I felt it before where it's like almost like a laser printer going through your stomach. And you can, you know, feel it going like this and then maybe hit a switch and release something. And you always feel lighter when you come out of a high dose, you know. But I believe that it's also important to like you take antibiotics when you have a cold you don't take one or two you have a cycle so for a while i like to stay on a every two weeks every two to three weeks take a high dose and sometimes as you mentioned you want to work your way up you want to build your way up right and a lot of people should not take mushrooms when they're not in a good headspace however when you're more experienced i like to take mushrooms more high dose mushrooms more when I'm not in a good headspace, if I'm stressed out, you know, if there's something that's bothering me, it's almost like consulting with something from another realm. And I always come out stronger and usually with an answer or something that leads me to the answer to what I need to do in life, you know, and I've turned my 
my parents onto mushrooms. When it first started happening, like I started doing this, my mother was worried. She was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Now she microdoses. She's done a macro dose with me or whatever, but man, it's just changed my life in so many positive ways. I used to drink a lot. I still have a drink here and there, but they made it to where, and this is solely to mushrooms. Like I give all credit. They made it to where I no longer really have a taste. I can drink if I want to. I don't have to. It's really interesting when you, when you enter the mushroom space with intention, and that was intentional. When you enter with intention, you usually get what it is you're trying to achieve. You know what I mean? Fully. And you know, the way you just described it, I often describe the macrodose experience as a consultation, being able to consult with some kind of higher intelligence. Where that comes from is anyone's guess, but I had a recent macrodose experience probably around the 20 gram range, which is something, you know, I've kind of worked my way up to that over time again as a clar clarification, but I, I was a little bit unsure of where to head with Mycopreneur podcast because in some ways it's, it's accelerated beyond what I'm able to do personally, right? And I, I'm sure you've experienced this with your projects. Once they become successful, you have a hundred different things calling your attention and you start to say, which direction do I go? Which projects do I focus on? Well, you know, and it's very easy to get sidetracked from your original vision of what you're doing because all of a sudden you have other players involved, you know, you have legal contracts to think about and you have, you know, opportunities to weigh, et cetera. And I, I went in for a consultation and just said, where, where do I go with this? And so clearly I was told, serve other people. Don't focus so much on yourself. The reason that this brand became successful is because I was platforming and connecting with a lot of people and in a very myceliated way, right, where you're kind of building together. And I think when I shifted the focus more to thinking about it's all me, like, what do I do? It's just like I put way too much of an emphasis and a burden on my own shoulders and it doesn't belong there. So, you know, that sense of like getting very clear answers for me is what it's all about. And sometimes I'll even describe it like it's almost like going to a chiropractor, like a spiritual chiropractor. Like if you're, you know, out of alignment, you can go with intention and you can put yourself back into alignment where your next steps are abundantly clear to you. And that's how I try to use it. So as far as like your impressive career, you know, we haven't touched on this yet, but you manage Yellow Wolf, which is, you know, fantastic artists. You've got a whole portfolio of artists you're working with. So like, how did you get involved doing that? And you know, how have, your experiences with mushrooms shaped the way that you approach working in the music industry and working on your creative pursuits. I originally got started. I had a studio on third Avenue South downtown Nashville. And there was a certain period of time where I was, I was sure that I wanted to be in the music business. I just didn't know what aspect, you know, I wanted what role I wanted to play. And, um, at a certain point I was an artist, I was a producer. And, and then I realized I was essentially managing this group of artists and then me and Wolf have known each other since we were kids. But at some point he came to town and I managed a photographer. So I knew him as Coma because we used to paint graffiti together. Right. And the photographer said he was going to shoot an artist named Yellow Wolf. And this is before I, I dabbled in photography or whatever. But um, make a long story short, I went to the venue, met up with Wolf, reconnected, started as his merch guy. And that was more of like, a, hey, man, I want to get involved. I know you're not hiring, but I'm just going to make myself useful and show my value and that's where the mushrooms came in was like uh, i think it was richard's um someone said sweep the parking lot until you own the building right so i just said I'm, I'm willing to work for free i'll start off selling merchandise i worked my way up from selling merchandise to being the tour photographer we've got a book coming out called the 5150 tour book which is a compilation of all the photos i took on that tour along with um tickets and drawings from the artist things like that. And uh, then I went from being a TM to in Europe, we signed a management agreement uh, on in 2020, which was really cool. So as far as mushrooms playing a role in that, I think they've just taught me how to navigate this space. You know, the, the music business is a it's, a, it's a crazy business, man. It's, it's full of a lot of good people, but it's also full of a lot of not so good people. And it's allowed me to, it's been very helpful in allowing me to navigate this space, you know, peacefully. I don't, I don't know how to say that, but, you know, like staying calm and, and negotiating in a, in a way that's mutually beneficial to everyone involved. And, you know, so as far as that, like you said, I constant consultate with the mushroom, you know what I mean? But, uh, 
Yeah, man. It's been a long journey as far as that goes. Well, you just touched on this briefly, but, you know, drug use in many different ways is a huge part of the music business. Right. And there's been lots of drinking, lots of, you know, any you name the drug, somebody's taken it. Right. And uh, that's obviously very difficult for a lot of people, especially when you talk about touring. You know, there's tons of musicians who are having a trouble navigating. And I'm curious if you've observed an uptick in more musicians and more people in that industry using psychedelics. Obviously, there's always been a connection, you know, between musicians and psychedelics. But, you know, I think about like the 90s and 2000s and like a lot of what I heard on pop radio and rock and roll. And like people weren't really talking about mushrooms, right? People weren't really talking so much about psychedelics. It was much more focused on, you know, drinking, partying, cocaine, things like that. So, you know, have you have you noticed an uptick in a lot, you know, musicians and people in those circles starting to, you know, think or invest more in a relationship with mushrooms? I definitely have seen people's curiosities. Um you know, people are more curious about mushrooms, psychedelics, like they were way back. If it wasn't for mushrooms, I personally would not be in the position I'm in in business because I used to party with all the musicians. I used to drink. I would have not have been responsible enough to play the roles that I'm now able to play. And that's due to my experience with mushrooms. Another interesting thing with with music and mushrooms, me and Wolf have a bet. He, he used to do them way back, way, way, way back. But I guess he had an experience that he wasn't really into. And I've been trying to get him to get back on board with me, you know what I mean? To like tap in a little bit. And uh, we have a, a thing going where when he has a million liquid in the bank, he has to come do mushrooms on my property with me, right? And every time he gets close to that, he'll go spend it, you know, buy a new car or something or do something crazy to to not have to do that. So we have this like running joke that every time he'll get close to that, you know, he's he's going to blow it real quick because he's going to stand up to it and do it when when the time comes. But yeah, man, I think that um, mushrooms have been really helpful in that regard to me. There was a time three years ago, my mom found a museum that was going out of business in a place called Carthage, Tennessee. Right. Last place in the world you think of there would be some cool museum with these artifacts from like African tribes and stuff. And she just found this yoruba tribe shaman's medicine cabinet and she bought it for me and it's authentic it came from this museum when i went to europe to go on tour i put the mushrooms i had in this medicine cabinet just to store them you know i was like cool that's that's where i'll put them for now on my way to the airport i got in an uber and there was a, a gentleman driving and we were talking about where you from where you going this and that and as he was driving he looked back you know he said uh, i'm from a place you may have heard of he turned around, made eye contact with me and said, it's called Yoruba. I was like, that's strange. And then I came back from Europe, got my mushrooms out of the cabinet. And it was the craziest thing that's ever happened to me ever in any trip whatsoever. And it was about 14 grams, I believe, on this particular trip. And I had kind of I laid back and my fiance, she usually sits in a room with me and records and we talk and she asks me questions and. She kind of knows when to talk to me and when not. As you know, high doses, you don't always talk to someone. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to let them be. So at one point I said, who is that? She said, what do you mean? And what, what I saw, and it was maybe a whole three seconds. It wasn't very long at all. But I was on my back looking up, and I don't know if I was being born or dying. But I was surrounded by African people who all had shaved heads, and their garb could have been from the future. It could have been from the past. But they loved me and I loved them. And I believe in this in this realm or lifetime, I was one of them. And they looked exactly like the Yoruban people look, which I found very interesting. Then I go to Cuba and man, the whole thing down there, everybody's a part of this Yoruba thing. It was crazy. But yeah, the fact that I saw these people surrounding me and I couldn't see my own body to know if I was again, being born or dying, but it was that serious of a moment. Man, I love hearing stories like that. And, you know, a lot of this that we're talking about at the macrodose realms often defies logic, right? That's like, it's, it's almost belittling to try to put some kind of a logical explanation to a lot of them. And th those experiences for me are really what sucked me into the mushroom universe early on is when I recognize the power 
of these of these beings and to be able to build a relationship with them and to be respectful. And one of the things I wanted to mention and experience that, you know, when I was younger, I would tell people about this. And then I realized I don't need to tell everyone, but, you know, I haven't shared this story on the podcast, but this was on a lower dose. I think this was on 3.5 grams. I was at my freshman year at the University of San Francisco. I had eaten them out by Ocean Beach at a friend's house. And then I was walking by myself all the way through Golden Gate Park, all the way back to campus. And I was on this trail in Golden Gate Park and I heard this really high-pitched sound. I was peeking at this point and I hear beep, beep, right? And I started thinking, what is that sound? Like that's a frequency that I'm un unaccustomed to hearing. So I follow it. I got off the track that I was on. I got off the little path. I'm walking through the bushes, stepping over tufts of grass and I trace it to its source and it was a family of mushrooms. And that, that experience, like the fact that I had heard this thing. I wasn't looking for them. You know, it wasn't on the path. It was off the path. I had to get off like that sense of being able to communicate and to have, I've always recognized that early on that these are intelligent entities and that when I build a relationship with mushrooms, I'm looking for advisors. I'm looking for people I can consult with. I'm looking for people, you know, these entities that I can learn from. And of course, you know, I didn't have a guidebook as many of us, especially those days didn't have. So like, it's possible to, it's possible to run afoul where you realize, or, you know, oh, maybe I didn't show the most respect here. You know, maybe I, I didn't prepare myself or I wasn't in, you know, I also like to trip when I'm in a mind frame where I'm not super happy all the time. You know, I think that's, it's not a bad trip. It's a very cathartic, productive trip. That's when you kind of, you need something to kind of recalibrate you. But, you know, I, I realized over time, like, as you mentioned, you kind of have a cycle, maybe every two weeks or three weeks or whatever. You know, there was a time when I was like, I'm just going to trip every day. And I've talked to other people, you know, who have had those experiences. That wasn't a good call. You know, I, I learned real quick, like, I, it's not necessarily super negatively impacting me, but I'm not getting these kind of transmissions and these kind of, you know, teachings that I'm here for. So, you know, now I'm 33 and I have 15 plus years of experience and I have a better sense of like, you know, I can have a macrodose experience and then I might take three months off and I might put those insights into my life and then I'm going back. And take some time to integrate, right? Take some time to integrate. And it's like, I think it's interesting too, because right now, and, and this is very important. This is, in my opinion, not a bad thing. But, you know, there's a lot of interest in, you know, curing PTSD and depression and these things. And I think that's incredible and it's beautiful. But it's also and this may be like helpful in the segue to helping these become legal. But it's also in, important to note that this can sharpen your superpower. You know, you can be completely fine and not have PTSD and not be depressed and still become a better you, you know, and, and I've heard people say too, like, do mushrooms make you a better person? I don't know that that's the case. Cause you know, they said like people back in the day would take them maybe warriors or, you know, people in where they would sacrifice humans and stuff like that. And I think it boils down to your intention. You know what I mean? What do you intend to get out of this? And I've, man, I mean, I just wanted to touch on that. I think it's interesting to sharpen your superpower, you know, become a better you based on the intention. Like I'm big on preparation. I meditate beforehand. I like to say beforehand, I hold the mushrooms or the tea or whatever it is I'm ingesting. And I say, you know, I enter this journey with love for the mushroom and respect for all creatures, respect for all creatures and love for the mushroom. And, you know, I'm, I, I have a different dialogue every trip depending on what my intention is, but I want to let the mushroom know that I'm coming in this as a student, fully respectful, you know, utmost respect, and I'm here to learn, and, and I'm okay with the, the good, the bad, I'm okay with all that, because all these things are important, you know, it's like, it allows you to see your yourself from a different perspective. That's so valuable, that, that macro perspective, right, because it's so easy to get locked into your you know, rigid ways of viewing the world. And I think that's where, especially for like creative thinkers, it's so beneficial because, you know, to be able to kind of pull back from looking at the world or a problem or your business or your life, your relationship, whatever, to be able to kind of like pull back from that one fixed rigid perspective you have and consider alternative perspectives. It's, it's also, you know, my mushroom experience has really helped me to put myself in the shoes of other people, right? When I'm thinking about my relationship with my wife or with my parents or whatever, 
I can really easily see, well, maybe I don't understand why they're feeling this way, but like, you know, I don't always have to understand. I just have to build up empathy. So I, I just think it's so valuable to be able to put yourself in the shoes of someone else. And, you know, again, that was one of the very clear perspectives that came to me on my most recent macrodose was you have anxiety or you're, you know, um, I came to this, this status where I don't know if you've experienced this, but where you're working on something, you love it. And then you realize like you're working so much on it. You kind of like almost lose that spark, that interest, you know, it's like, it just became like, a, you know what I mean? And, and like, I, I had to kind of detach from that and be like, why did I start this project? You know, why do I work in a creative field in the first place? There has to be that hill you die on. Like, I love this because a, I feel like it's my superpower and I'm sharpening it. B, I think that it's, you know, uh, it's really important to be able to platform different stories and, you know, to connect with people. But I was putting so much of that emphasis on myself. It was always just like, I'm responsible for this. I have to do this. You know, I'm up at 11 p.m. writing copy or whatever. And after that experience, I realized like, connect with more people. That's why you're doing this. You're doing this to build connections with people. It reminded me why I'm doing this podcast, you know, why I'm building out Micopreneur in the first place. So that sense of like, connecting connecting with people i think is so important uh you know as a creative because yourself in the music industry like if you're not managing people working with people you know dealing with vendors and club owners etc like what are you doing you know your most of your profession right is about dealing with other people and navigating relationship dynamics and all that and i think mushrooms could be huge yeah yeah and i think it's that you touched on this a little bit like mushrooms have helped me realize high dose has helped me realize the, the oneness, you know what I mean? The the oneness that exists with everything. Like I took a, a big dose on in a driveway in an Airbnb I rented one time that was overlooking like a mountain where the sun rose. And man, it was it was like a divine congregation or an orchestra of nature. And it was like as the sun came up, I mean, you know what this is crazy if they don't macro dose. But you know, if a gnat might fly by my ear and then a bird chirp over here and, and the wind blows and all these things are one song. You know what I mean? All these things are one divine congregation. And it was like I was allowed to be a part of that for that moment. You know what I mean? And it's it's allowed me to see the oneness and again have compassion for other people that may have been harder for me to have in the past or understand someone's going through something and treat it a little bit differently and maybe not become offended. You know, it's helped me in that way tremendously. So yeah, man. So let's dive into the ceremonial approach that you take, right? Everybody kind of is different and some people prefer to go down and do a whole group ceremony, right? And I don't necessarily mean like, I don't think a ceremony means you have to be with other people, right? You can have a private ceremony between you and the mushrooms, but you know, everybody's got a different approach to it. Uh, it as far as you're willing to share, like when you're getting ready for a macro dose experience, what are some of the steps that you're taking to ensure that you put yourself in a position where it's, you know, a, a maximum benefit for you to, you know, where it's the best for you? I like to control all elements, everything down to what's on the TV in the next room. You know, I usually up until recently, I just about eight months ago, bought a property, 11 acres in rural Tennessee. And my sole purpose is to save that until it's legal here. In the meantime, I have my own ceremonies. I'm the type of person I've done ayahuasca ceremonies where there's 15, 20 people in there. And, and, you know, that's cool if that's what people like. Me personally, I like to keep the ceremonies more intimate. I like just myself and one other person. I don't really like to do three or more because there's always a dynamic of two people feel one way and another person. You know what I mean? So I like to, I like to stay just me and another person, if not just myself alone. Um, as far as preparation, I like to eat eat well. I like to eat fruit and vegetables, you know, so you're putting good things in your body. I like to meditate beforehand. As we mentioned, pay complete respect to the mushroom and the entities you're going to encounter. And I feel like you, you talked about the entities earlier briefly. I feel like you build this relationship. Like before it's like cruising by on the interstate and then maybe you drive past the neighborhood and then you drive in the neighborhood. Next thing you know, you're in the backyard with the boss at a cookout. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like over the years doing these macro doses, I've honed this relationship. Like I stay pretty true to golden teachers. I'm scared to do anything else because 
I feel like I formed this relationship with whatever spirit, whether that's within myself and it's not something outside of myself, or if I'm actually communicating with some non-physical entity, you know what I mean? That is in fact outside myself. I just like to enter with the utmost respect. I mean, so serious about that respect. And I've also noticed like when I'm going in, the most I've done, you had mentioned 20 grams. The most I've ever done at one time is 20 grams. And man, you know about that. That's that's something else. But I feel like there's a period of uploading. Like, have you ever noticed? I like to I like to go in the bathroom and put a like an air mattress and stay close to the toilet. You know what I mean? Because if you purge, you want to be right there. But I have a period where I get extremely cold. You know, you yawn a lot. And I go through this period where I, I kind of shiver. And I feel like that's it's almost like a flight or fight response where it's like, you know, your body knows what it's in for, you know, and it's, it feels like a period of uploading, like it's uploading something that's about to work. You know what I mean? And, um, as far as that, that's, that's how I prepare, you know, the mushrooms. And I also have, I, I made an altar and on that altar is things that mean a lot to me and things like, I went to Egypt uh, in 2019 and I collected stones from all the temples and feathers from the temple of uh, Horus. And, you know, I've, I've collected these different things that mean something to me. Gifts, people have given me rings I've collected in every country I go to. And, you know, anybody, not even country, but certain certain cultures and, and cities, I'll collect necklaces. And I've worn all these necklaces at the Great Pyramid, the different temples. And, and that's what I call my mojo. And at the end of, you know, when I'm past the point of, of moving and, and, you know, where I'll break the mojo, I'll put it on at the end of my trip and kind of reflect with all the jewelry on and the necklaces. And the, I even have a headdress sometimes I put on. But, you know, I just think I just think preparation is really important, man. And and, you know, I put on a movie in the other room. I always like to I have a couple movies I go to. X-Men Apocalypse is one. Uh what is it? Fantastic Beast is another. And I just keep them on in the other room with the volume turned down, lay in the bathroom until I'm ready to come out. When I come out, there's no surprise. There's nothing that's going to catch me off guard. I know it's on it's on repeat. So when I come out, one of these things is going to be going on. I just like everything under control. And this land that I recently bought is really cool because I put gates up and like, you know, you're you're safe there. Like when you go there, Man, I built trails. I've done all kinds of cool stuff, and I'm currently working on building a doorway. And this is this is the first time I've talked about this publicly, but I think it's interesting. So, one time I was meditating. Are you familiar with hape? You know they use it before ayahuasca. Okay. So one time I was meditating using hape, and I was looking at a candle. And the candle, it was just an optical illusion. Anybody can do this. You don't have to be on hape. But the candle went from one flame to two flames and it just inspired an idea all of a sudden i saw what looked like a doorway and it was perfectly rectangle right so after i saw this rectangle i thought to myself wow i want to build a door on the land so i want the door facing the rising sun right and beside the door there's two flames you would meditate under a pyramid on top of an ankh in front of the doorway and this is it's like big moroccan custom hand carved door and There'll be two torches, right? We light one, you meditate on that torch until you see two. Then we light the other torch. You write down your intention and beside the door is an antique, um, like like you would see in an apartment building, the old mailboxes, you know what I mean? The little square mailboxes. So it's an old antique one. And, and the code is the answer to a question, right? And to get into that, you meditate on the answer to the question and when you find out that you put in the code, you open that, you put your intention in, you walk through the light into the unknown, the darkness, take your own intention out, burn it in a bird bath into the ether. And now you're ready for your journey. And that's that's what I'm building right now as my ceremonial approach to macro dose. And you can only walk through the door with a macro dose. You can't micro dose and walk through the door. You know what I mean? There's no trespassing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So.
That's epic. Yeah, it's kind of the hero's journey, it sounds like, right? Where you're, you're going to take on your own hero's journey. And you know, I keep coming back to that as a metaphor for my own psychedelic experiences. It's like you're kind of going out into the wilderness sometimes, right? And, uh, in order, you never know what's going to come your way. You can control a lot of elements, but you know, when you're in the macrodose space, there could be sort of anything that comes your way. And you know, there are some esoteric traditions that probably offer a lot of guidance into how to deal with that. But, you know, I think one of the things we're seeing right now in our country, in the United States and in a lot of Western culture, is we're seeing a lot of people interested and starting to learn about this. But we don't really have a lot of, you know, guides like we have indigenous traditions. But what you see then is like a lot of people going to want to, you know, go to the Amazon or go to Mexico and learn about these things. But like this is the first time, I think, in our culture, which is pretty, you know, hyper consumer oriented and pretty capitalist and you've got a lot of you know just these different motifs that are very different so that's what we're starting to see is we're starting to see sort of uh, psychedelics come into the mainstream of the united states and of europe and places like this where yes there may be some basis for this historically but not in this type of society that we have you know like i had a conversation recently about group ceremonies and a lot of people want to do ceremonies in groups but traditionally the group ceremonies it's people who live together they know each other they you know they're very close now you have a lot of group ceremonies where people are going to the ayahuasca ceremony or to you know an ibogaine clinic and you're doing a ceremony with a bunch of people you just met that day so it just it brings up a lot of interesting discussions and also now the the controversy the opportunity the kind of the, the different things around the corporatization of psychedelics, which is something that's actively happening, right? Is you have these researchers and labs at the Imperial College of London or Johns Hopkins who are starting to try to map out mystical states. And we don't really have a frame of reference for this where it's, it's essentially a collision of value systems that's happening right now. So I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on the corporatization of psychedelics? It sounds like you've got a very ceremonial approach you know, you're building something that's very rooted in a lot of more like esoteric or, you know, more intention oriented practices. But then the other side of that is there's these shroom shops opening where you can just, you know, go in if you're in Vancouver and pick up a macrodose of mushrooms and you can, you know, eat them on vacation or whatever. And, you know, I'm not opposed to recreational use at all, but just this idea of the corporatization of the psychedelic experience. Do you have any perspective that you're willing to offer on that right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a balance. You know, it's like if a person is in this for profit strictly, I'm kind of against that. You know what I mean? I, I understand people got to eat the, the commercialization side of it is interesting because I, I just have such a crazy respect for the mushrooms. Like, when I was a kid, I had sold mushrooms. When I got older, I gave them away because I know what I'm going to deal with if I try to make a couple bucks off a mushroom. I'd rather give it to you if you want it. If you want the experience, I'd rather give it to you. Now, that doesn't mean that you can give everybody in the world mushrooms. You can't afford to do that. So at some point, I don't see anything wrong with, you know, making a living, providing a service, but, you know, patenting psilocybin or trying to corner it where other people can't have it. This is something that's been around and being been being used for thousands of years. You know, it's it just doesn't make sense. Like I think people who really understand the mushroom would feel slightly similar, you know what I mean? Like I don't know, man, it's it's a tough one. Like I hope they legalize it so people can do what they want to do and use this how they see fit. Absolutely. Now, you know, should it be synthetic i don't know you know they say that maria sabina said that she experienced it was the same same spirit i'd have to i'd have to try i've never tried the synthetic version i would have to try that to get my own opinion you know but yeah i think it just boils down to what your intention is if it's someone who has no experience no knowledge and is strictly out to make another dollar i'm not really a fan of it not saying it's right or wrong it's just not my cup of tea um you know, so that's where I'm at as far as that goes, the the commercialization of it, man. But I think it's a positive thing that people are opening their eyes to it. As far as the, the group ceremonies that they're holding in these, you know, more to like Jamaica and where else are they doing it? They're doing it, you know, wherever it's legal. But I'm not a fan of that because you can't predict everyone's personality or how they'll respond, what they may do. You know what I mean? You have to be really cautious with that. I went over to Jamaica where it was legal and I ended up just doing it. it. There was a place called Treasure Beach and I took 
my nine gram dose on Treasure Beach on top of a, a fossilized coral reef. My, my fiance said it was a really dangerous spot. Like she kind of wasn't really into it because the waves were crashing and there was like sharp rocks where if the waves took you, that did, I mean, it would be over. But I just had this gut feeling, man. I was like, that's the spot. That's the only spot. And it, it, it felt to me like a portal, like the wind blowing, the sun shining, the waves crashing, surrounded by all these hermit crabs on top of this fossilized coral reef. And that's one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had in my entire life. I came back and, and my mom said I had the Jamaican glow. So, you know, it's like, you know, I I don't know, man. It's I can't do the, the big the big group of people thing. It's just not for me. You know, I, I like to keep it more personal and, and quiet. You know what I mean? I like to go within. So I'm not a big fan of like taking mushrooms and going to parties or anything like that. I like to I like darkness. You know, I like I like taking them before sunrise and coming out of the trip when the sunrise. So, yeah, I want to dive into that because that timing is great for me, too, about I like to take them when the world is still. I feel, you know, very and a very active imagination at nighttime. And like, you know, when I first started using mushrooms, it was typically a daytime thing. You know, it's like we're going to go to the park or, you know, and then the more I would read about it, read about it and investigate, I wanted to limit the external stimuli. Right. And I wanted to be able to put myself in a position to to essentially increase the surface area that I would be able to deal with these different issues that were inside of me and kind of like explore my imagination, because that's what it's all about for me. And where I'm at right now, as far as the corporatization of psychedelics, if you have a limited imagination with what you're doing with your brand, you're probably not taking enough psychedelics and you should second guess being in this space. I think there are people who pivot in. You know what I mean? It's just like you let your psychedelic experience inform your brand. If you want to take it in a direction, you know, I don't, I think that people building their own companies can be a great thing. And I've supported a lot of people and will continue to. I'm like, you know, I've got all these products around me right now that people send me and, and they're, you know, they're making it in their house with their family. They're extracting lion's mane or they're making psilocybin extracts. And like for me, that's wonderful. People who are small, small businesses, you know, and kind of like. They, they've made it a mission in their community to produce this medicine. But most of these people who are doing it that way, they're also not profit oriented. Of course, they want to make money, but that's it's not all about the bottom line. And there's plenty of people I could shout out right now where they've got robust businesses and they're philanthropists. You know, they're donating mushrooms to veterans, right? They're donating mushrooms to people in different situations. And that's one of my favorite things to see is like, you know, if I'm investigating a company or talking to them or learning about them, I want to know, like, what's the impact that you're making in your community? You know, like, what, what are you doing? You know, um, so that, that's something I try to do. And, you know, with the podcast and everything I'm doing, I try to be as transparent as possible too. you know, just be like, look, you know, I'm not balling. I'm, you know, some people have this erroneous assumption that because the podcast is doing well that like, you know, I'm jet setting everywhere. It's like, nah, dude, like I'm scraping stuff together and jumping on spirit airlines to get out. And like, I get, I get invited to a conference. And the first thing I say is like, can you fly me out? Or, you know, like I can't, I, I'll sleep on a couch, you know, I'll, I'll do the, but I think, you know, as things move forward, there's this fear for a lot of people I've heard who were involved in cannabis saying that like psychedelics are going to turn into cannabis again, where it's like so heavily regulated and, you know, it's, you go into a dispensary and only the people with fat stacks can compete. So obviously, you know, the jury is still out of what this is going to turn into, but I share your perspective that it's a great thing that so many people are talking about it. So many people are interested in learning about it. And, you know, I, I think that education is where we should be focusing too right now, because of course this stuff's already out there. If, if this is Pandora's box, it's open. You've got everybody interested in psychedelics and people taking it. So how can we support people on this journey? You know, how can we educate and provide a frame of reference so that people can have a, a maximally impactful and beneficial and safe experience because what happened back in the 60s, right, is it kind of got out of control, right? Is uh, And I, I'm not an expert on the subject matter, but I do understand there was a lot of the establishment was afraid because it just kind of got out of control. And so, you know, that's almost another subject. But I think we're headed in, in the next couple of years. We're going to start to see some more evidence of um, of a power struggle, essentially, between cognitive liberty, individuals having the right to produce and trade and sell psychedelics versus the other side, which is really 
stringent regulation and, you know, having to go to a therapist like what we're seeing in Oregon. A lot of people criticize that model to, to legally access psychedelics in Oregon. And a lot of people are misinformed about this. They'll tell you, oh, it's it's decriminalized. That doesn't mean it's legal. You know, to legally access it, you got to pay a therapist. You know, you got to shell out fifteen hundred bucks to take a macrodose of mushroom, right? So, you know, there's there's obviously a lot that's wrong with that model, but these are the types of conversations and kind of power dynamics that I think we're gonna be facing as a community over the next couple of years as the legislation starts getting rounded out. So, you know, just something to be uh, aware of. And that's where I think transparency, communication, and doing doing it yourself is where it's at. You know, having your work that you're doing informed by your psychedelic experiences which it sounds like you do quite a bit of that, you know? And, and so the one, yeah, yeah. So one question I want to, I wanted to dive into is this process of integration for you. Like after you have a macrodose experience of 10 grams, what is the next morning? And you know, that morning, that day, or the next couple of days, what does that look like for you typically after you're coming out of a macrodose experience? It reminds me of when I wrap up a good photo shoot, right? And, and, and I'm waiting to get back and, and dump the card and look and see what I got. You know what I mean? So I listen to the recording that my fiance takes. The way we usually set up is I lay on the air mattress. She lays behind me. So a lot of the time I, I feel like I'm alone. But then when I want to know that someone's there, I reach back and she's there, you know, chilling, taking notes, recording and asking questions when the time is right. But as far as the um, integration, the next day, I like to wake up, listen to some of the recording and then write in my current state of mind you know what i mean like outside of the mushroom realm i like to do my best to elaborate on the thoughts that we brought to the surface you know and and that's that's where this book is coming from so you know we get the topics from actually from the journey and then i elaborate on those topics the next morning you know it kind of like stream of consciousness right and try to get everything you can it's hard you know we've all heard it said what you're receiving sometimes is beyond linguistics. I've tried to say things out loud while tripping and gag. Can't even say it because it's such a powerful thing that I feel like I, I don't need to say it out loud. You know what I mean? You have to experience it yourself. So, I mean, you know, I get what I can out of it and put it on paper and then do my best to like integrate that into my life, the lesson that I learned, right? And then as trying to kill his son but as um you know learn what i can and then go back to the mushroom like like okay cool i did what you told me last time now what do you got and sometimes if i didn't do what i learned in that particular lesson i'm nervous to go back to the mushroom but i know it's necessary you know what i mean i'm, I'm a little scared i'm a little anxious but i know i gotta go back you know what i mean and and kind of check in you know, and there's been those journeys where it's it's like I know I didn't achieve what I was supposed to. Sometimes I do. Other times I haven't. And I know I'm I'm going to I'm going to feel a certain way because of that, because of not fulfilling what I was supposed to fulfill. But, you know, it always comes out good. They say bad trips. Sure. If you don't prepare and you don't have your intentions and you don't treat this in a way where I don't understand it at all, but I understand my approach going in. Right. And if, if you don't do that, then yeah, you could have a horrible trip. If you don't know what you signed up for, I like to refer to them as challenging trips. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a lesson being taught. It's not always comfortable and it's not meant to be, you know, it's, it's something to learn from, to make yourself better than you were yesterday. That's my intention. So as far as integration, man, I'm integrating right now. You know what I mean? I'm every, yeah, every moment is integration. We're integrating. This is incredible conversation I'm having with you, you know, so yeah, man, that's that's my my take on integration. Love it. Looks different for everyone. I'm a big believer in rejecting absolutism. I think there's different ways, different approaches that work for different people. You know, plenty of people just want a microdose. And if that provides a benefit in their life and it helps them to become more open and creative and whatever they're looking for and healthy, that's that's perfect, right? And you know, the macrodoses for me, that's what has Gravita I've gravitated towards and I've figured out a way to integrate it into my life in such a way that my entire life, as you mentioned, is integrating, you know, connecting and kind of um, drawing from the that deep well of experience to be able to 
uplift my community and my family and, you know, live a meaningful, purposeful life that, that I'm contented with and that, you know, the, the sky's the limit. That's the other thing I think with mushrooms and those kind of macrodose experiences, I often find that we're capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for, right? Like we so often put these li limiting perspectives on us where it's just like, oh, that's not going to happen for me. It's like, well, why not? You know, like what, and what, what can you do to take baby steps, to put yourself one step at a time to close that distance between the dreams that you see, right? You had this vision. You think that, you know, that, yeah, why, why are you talking yourself out of these dreams? I think that's something, you know, that comes back to me a lot is, you know, for a lot of people who've never had one of these experiences, you just kind of put these blinders on and these limitations on and you just assume that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not capable of, of doing whatever that thing is. And with, with these non-ordinary states of consciousness and with mushrooms, I often feel a sense of, I'm going to give my per, I'm going to give myself permission to say, you know, I'm good enough to attain this dream. I'm good enough to achieve my dreams. You know, um, nobody else is going to do it. I love that, man. It's, yeah. Nobody's going to. Yeah, I, I love that. Giving myself permission. I've said that before in the past, too. Like I've given myself permission. Something that always comes to me. It's just like a reoccurring thing is the words only exactly always always come to me. And I feel that that's like only exactly always as I'm creating this reality right this is like you said your potential it, it kind of unlocks and allows your mind to fly like when you were a child you know it allows my imagination to run wild and and be more comfortable and give myself permission to dream imagine and do what i can to become what it is i would like to be in this lifetime let's go well i'm i'm pretty stoked already just to see you know your career and the trajectory it's taken and that I got to loop you into the Mycopreneur podcast, you know, for one small chapter of what we're doing. So thank you very much, Edward Crow, for jumping on the Mycopreneur podcast. And I just want to leave you the floor to close with if there's any projects that you're working on above and beyond the book that you would love to share with us and just kind of, you know, what can we look forward to over the next couple of months coming out of your camp? Well, man, I'm honored that you had me on the podcast. I've been listening to awesome conversations you have on here. You're really killing it. Um, what I have going on right now, we got a lot going on. Something that I want to mention here on the podcast, we filmed a movie in Mexico City about a year and a half ago called Mudmouth, Yellow Wolf Mudmouth. It's a it's a movie to go with his album Mudmouth, and it's based on an LSD trip. So it's different than mushrooms, obviously, but it's really really interesting, man. It goes in and out of animation. It's going to be an incredible film, directed by a friend of ours named. Mike Mahel, we call him Gorilla Mike. Uh, I'm really looking forward to releasing that. It's going to be incredible. And then I'm working on that book, and uh, you know I'll speak more on that later. But uh, yeah, we got a lot of good stuff, man, coming. I got to be Doctor Mudmouth in the movie, and it's in, and I was the one making the LSD in a trailer. So I'm stoked on that. And of course, Yellow Wolf's album is is crazy, and and man, the movie's incredible. So I I. I'll send you a message when we drop it. Very much looking forward to that. Well, thank you again for joining us. It's been a pleasure and we'll be in touch moving forward. So shout out Edward Crow. Shout out uh, everyone in the Yellow Wolf camp and just have a great day. And thank you again for joining us on the Micopreneur podcast. Thanks, man. You too.